I joined edict of His Majesty the King Louis XIII and His Eminence Cardinal Richelieu. The Musketeers are officially disbanded. And who will protect the King? Cardinal's guards have already assumed that responsibility. Should even one of you resist, the entire corps will be arrested and imprisoned. All for one. And one for all. Welcome to The Boot! That's right! It's The Boot! We're recasting classic movie reboots because, say it with me, it's all for one, one for all, and all for love. (laughs) Way to go, Brian Adams. Guys, I'm Brian Flynn, and with me, uh, trying to take the throne... Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? I'm great. I like that you really had to let people know that you are not Brian Adams. I'm not Brian Adams. Or Ryan Adams. Isn't that also a singer? Yeah. You're neither of those people. I'm neither of those people. This week, actually the next couple weeks, we have yeah. a special two-part episode of The Boot in honor of Summer Blockbuster Month. Are we big enough to have a special two-parter? I think so. I think I think if I think we are in our heads, and that's what makes it so special. You know, if you dream it, you'll achieve it. You'll achieve it. Uh <laughs> This week's episode, we're talking about the 1993 action-adventure The Three Musketeers, starring Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Charlie Sheen, Oliver Platt, and Tim Curry. Wow. All those people were in the same um, movie. Just a bunch of hunks. You know what I mean? Just a bunch of good-looking guys. That's how I casted my cast. It was a bunch of like, heartthrobs. Should we get into why we're doing this movie? Because it kind of breaks our rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does why don't we a get, little yeah. bit. So Ken and I wanted to do a two-parter. We've kind of... You know, in the world of sequels and summer blockbusters, we kind of wanted to take on a movie that had a natural sequel. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we came on because this movie is one of our favorites from childhood. Mm. And the sort of spiritual sequel, Man in the Iron Mask, mm-hmm. which is an actual sequel from the books written by Alexandre Dumont. We thought that that would be a great way to kind of cast a younger version of these characters and then redo the sequel with a much older crop of stars. But this movie was remade in 2011. Lots of there are lots of different versions. There's a BBC version that came movie. out in 2014. There's that Disney version featuring Mickey, mm-hmm. Goofy, Donald. Oh, look at them, fellas! That's gonna be us out there someday. I just know it. I can't wait. So why did we why did we choose this? Honestly, I think because we wanted to. It's fun to think of if if these movies were made in conjunction with each other and there was some real thought put into it, how how would it work out? How would it work out with like casting younger musketeers and then their older counterparts? And we've been talking about the It franchise for a couple of weeks now and how mm-hmm. the first one cast a bunch of kids and now they're starting to cast the older versions. And I think a couple of those announcements had been made this week, but I don't really remember who they were. Yeah. Um, it's also, a phenomenal – like. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's wonderful. They've done a great job. Also, it's summertime, bitches, and school is out, and so are the rules. So we're going to do whatever we want to do these two weeks, and then maybe we'll come back and, you know, for some summer reading. But right now, we're just going to forget that the 2011 <laughs> version happened, uh-huh. um, but we also cannot cast anyone from that movie, so you won't be seeing any of those casts. Have you seen the 2011? I saw it when it came out in theaters in 3D, if I'm not mistaken. 
Oh boy, all those um, swords poking at you. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm Orlando Bloom's oldest and truest fan. So, um, of course, I went to see it when it came out in theaters. And then I attempted to rewatch it because I felt like my palate was a little off after watching The Man in the Iron Mask. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to figure out what this was because obviously I immediately put this movie out of my brain. It's a really interesting movie. Like the, it is a mishmash of just like pure straight on comedy, swordplay. I don't I don't even know what they tried to achieve, but I will say that I think that I bought into the 2011 version a little bit more. The second time? The second time, yeah. I haven't seen it. I just started watching clips of it the other day and I I was just like, no. <laughs> Pass. Thank you. Thank you, but pass. And I'll I'll say why um, when we get into the 1993 version. Why don't we talk about the news? Very light news week this week. Yeah. Lethal Weapon 5 may still happen after all. I just love that headline. I love that as a headline. <laughs> just like, Where the, do we get these stories? <laughs> the dead horse might finish the race. After previously stating the project may not happen, director Richard Donner has claimed Lethal Weapon 5 is still on during a recent interview. While the original Lethal Weapon wasn't the first buddy cop movie, it soon came to define the genre. The chemistry between co-stars Danny Glover and Mel Gibson played a huge part in this, as did Shane Black's quotable screenplay and Donner's robust direction. Talk of Donner and the team getting back together for Lethal Weapon 5 flared up again in late 2017, only for Donner himself to cast doubt on the sequel happening thanks to difficult negotiations with the studio. Now it seems the project is still active after all because during an appearance on Gilbert Godfrey's amazing colossal podcast. Yeah, why am I not listening to this? What a why why can't we get places to uh, people to come here and break reboot news? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, why does it why doesn't Richard Donner call I us? I mean, if they're going to because if you're going to break reboot news on a podcast, it should be it should our be podcast. our podcast. Yeah. Anyways, good for Gilbert. Um Donner pre- uh, very briefly touched on it. During the introduction where he hosts the list off impressive resume, Donner quickly piped in with and five coming up after they mentioned the four previous Lethal Weapon movies. This are, se- this seems like the whole Willow thing all over again. Is are you going to go see Lethal Weapon 5? Oh. No. <laughs> Who is asking for Lethal Weapon 5? Especially, there's a TV show now. Yeah, which is... Which is kind of... Has run into some issues as of late. Well, Sean William Scott is there to save the day. I'm a big believer in Sean William Scott with no humor in my tone. Of I got to say, when I found out about that casting change, I was like, maybe I should start watching this show. Right? <laughs> was, this is much more interesting. I was upset that they were like, yeah, but he's not playing Murtaugh. He's just a new guy. I was like, just make Why Murtaugh. not? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. No one cares. Truly nobody cares. Yeah. I, this just sort of feels like a director kind of getting ahead of the curve and being like, Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to do we're a sequel. We're going to do it. And then it's just sort of trying to put a studio, you know, in a corner and being like, I guess we have to make this movie now. Like, <laughs> no, I don't care about he this. He promised it on Gilbert Gottfried's amazing Colossal podcast. <laughs> that's that's our new goal for this podcast. <laughs> Not for more people to hear it, but for a major producer or director <laughs> or writer to come here and announce that they are rebooting some property. I think that would be... That would be the yeah. The if we echelon. could break news, uh, I don't care about this movie. I don't. Nah. I, I do you remember when Jet Li was in Lethal Weapon Four when his star was just so bright that they were like, "We got to put Jet Li in this." And no. then it was Jet Li, Chris Rock. Hey, uh, hey, Riggs, who's the uh, perp? What'd you bust him for? Oh, I'm a perp. Oh, you see a young brother in the back of a police car? Automatically, I'm a perp. Look at my suit. 
Look at my tie. What do I look like, the fucking Crips accountant? Look at this badge, bitch. Check out the gun. Okay, License, okay, hey, hey, okay, put the gun down, put the gun down. License, registration, okay. urine sample. Hey. I think Chris Rock played Sounds like, like a Sounds like a Rush Hour ripoff. It, it, well, Jet Li was the bad guy. Hmm. Um, but I, I, I have to check the years, but I, I, maybe they were sort of riding the wake of mm-hmm. Rush Hour with, um, with the, that casting. But yeah, I maybe remember one time seeing Lethal Weapon or Lethal Weapon Two, and uh, I think I know more. I think I know more of about Loaded Weapon. What's the, that? The Emilio Estevez Samuel L. Jackson spoof. What? Look, you want to crack this case or not? Not by making up the rules as I go. Sometimes, pal, those are the only rules that work. Good thing we use valet parking. Taxi! It's going to take a lot more than a couple of car bombs to get us off this case. Not a hell of a lot more. It's it's a great spoof comedy before um, spoof comedies kind of fell over a cliff. Yeah, we really cut the tail end of that. Okay, uh, that's really the only story. Yep, that's it. Mercifully. Um <laughs> We kind of started going into the rules earlier in this one, so why don't we get into the rules? Sure. Uh, this is a podcast. Podcast. <laughs> why did I say that? I don't like what that implies. Okay. <clears throat> this is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people that you've never heard of. You're definitely going to want to look them up. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. If you have not seen The Three Musketeers from 1993, featuring a cast of genuine all-stars, stop right now and watch this movie. Heck, call me up. Do you know me? DM me on Twitter. I will give you my DVD copy so you can watch this movie and then listen to this podcast. You still trying to hawk that DVD? <laughs> it, it needs to be shared with the world. Like, you could pay for it on iTunes or you can come over to my apartment. We'll sit and watch it. We'll have popcorn. I'll stare at you the whole time to just see your reactions to everything. (laughs) Okay. Now to the rules. The first one, which obviously we're breaking a little bit. No remakes, reboots, or long lost sequels. Since we're sort of breaking this rule this week, we added a new rule we mentioned earlier where we can't cast anyone who was in the 2011 remake of The Three Musketeers, which is unfortunate because it's a stellar cast. There's a lot of good people in that. Not a great movie, but there's a lot of great people in it. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. I don't think that one's going to be too tough. And rule number three, no tender casting. We can't just cast someone because they look like a musketeer. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. Which, based on this movie, what does a musketeer look like? It looks like a sexy 90s rock star. (laughs) Looks like uh, Oliver Platt. It looks like yeah, <laughs> circa nineteen ninety three. It looks like the roadie crew for Guns and Roses. <laughs> okay, guys, let's get into the reboot of the Three Musketeers. You're under arrest. The boys have no interest in me. He's free to go. You come in peacefully, and you intend to resist. I don't be so stupid. Of course, we intend to resist. Just give us a moment, all right? Five of them, three of us. Hardly seems fair. Maybe we should give him a chance to surrender. Hmm. Excuse me, but there's four of us. It's not your fight. You're not a musketeer. I may not wear the tunic, but I believe I have the heart of a musketeer. Warrior? Poet? You got a name, boy? D'Artagnan. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Hello. Nice to meet you again. Pleasure. Everyone acquainted? Now, we are prepared to resist you. Okay, I think I mentioned this 
at the top of the pod, but the characters that we're going to recast are D'Artagnan, played by Chris O'Donnell, Athos, played by Keith Sutherland, Porthos, played by Oliver Platt, Aramis, played by Charlie Sheen, and Cardinal Richelieu, played by Tim Curry. And there is a slew of other characters in this movie. Yeah. That, um, including I'm, women. There including are women, women in this movie. Uh, I wanted to talk about the women a little bit too, um, just a little briefly when we get to it, maybe. But um, this was a, this was kind of a, this was a strange movie to rewatch. I haven't seen this in a long time. Mm-hmm. And just to see, like, it's weird to say this about, you know, obviously Keith Sutherland, obviously Charlie Sheen, obviously Chris O'Donnell, but like to say that about like Oliver Platt, I was kind of like, huh, I guess so. But I was like, <laughs> this is a star studded cast. Yeah. This is like, I just kept thinking like, look at all, look at all these hot bods. Look this, at all. This of, is a podcast. <laughs> this one's a podcast. I was just like, man, the smoldery Keith or Sutherland, the the romantic, the romantic Charlie Sheen. Oh I'm boy, air let's be here. careful with him. Uh, you know the the funny and body Oliver Platt, and then just that dreamy new face Chris O'Donnell. I couldn't get over it. I was like, man. Because, you know, I watched this movie as a kid and as I got older and if I had ever – this movie had ever crossed my mind, I just kept being like, what a what a stupid cast this was. And then I rewatched it and <laughs> I was like, no, they knew what they were doing. It's, it's odd because considering what we know about Charlie Sheen now, it seems crazy, but he's fine. He's – like I 100% believe him. Same thing for Kiefer Sutherland. I – there was just a point when I was watching it where I was like, I am buying what he's selling. I believe him as a musketeer. Yeah. I, I loved how Kiefer refused to wear a hat at any point <laughs> in this movie. The most iconic part. I mean, I right. guess the sword, then the hat, then the tunic. Then the, yeah, yeah. But he was just like, cover up this head of lettuce? <laughs> I don't think so, buddy. No, 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 no. Don't you dare. No hat for Kiefer. And... uh <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm actually really nervous to kind of talk about this because trying to pair these two movies together and cast two sets of actors to mm-hmm. play the same role was very, very difficult. Yeah. Because it was like if I choose an actor that's much younger, I have mm-hmm. to keep in mind that the time frame is about 25 years. So yeah. I have to like where where I ground this cast age wise is mm-hmm. going to affect the next one. Yeah. How did you do it? Did you go Man in the Iron Mask first and then de-age them? No. Yeah, yeah I didn't either. I did. I did Young Musketeers first. Honestly, because I think on the whole, I care about this movie a little more. Oh, than this the Man one, yes. in the Iron Mask. Oh, absolutely. So I knew I knew who I uh, where I wanted to go with that. And then I just sort of adapted for the Man in the Iron Mask. <laughs> the place I want to start with this podcast. Okay. Is the very beginning when we meet D'Artagnan and the mm-hmm. duel he's having with that sort of uh He has a name, but it's it's, like it's I guess Gast- it's not Gaston, it's something like that. Somebody that D'Artagnan has like slept with no. her brother, right? Yeah. Gerard. Huh. Gerard. Um yeah. So the duel that D'Artagnan has with Gerard. Mm-hmm. I what a great way to start. This is such a nineties movie. Okay. Because it's like Here's D'Artagnan, semi-shirtless, fighting the most, like, foppish French lord. His face is, like, white. Like, he's wearing, like, heavy makeup. It's so... And he speaks with this affect that's very, like, effeminate and uh, not mousy, but, like, grating a bit. And every time he screamed D'Artagnan, I was just... I was like, oh, I love this. Oh, get you, D'Artagnan! 
I feel like we can't we can't go anywhere until we have this discussion, which is accents. Oh, the lack thereof. Chris O'Donnell, American. Kiefer Three Sutherland. Three Musketeers, all, all American. All all the Musketeers are American. Yeah. Tim Curry, the arch, uh, the cardinal is British. Is British. Everybody else is British. Is Michael Wincott British? The guy who played Rochefort? I think so. He's Canadian. Oh well, same difference. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the I think I think the only French actor in this movie was Julie Delpy. Yeah, and I want to say I read somewhere that um, oh crap, what's her name? The one who plays the Countess de Winter. Oh, Rebecca de Mornay? Yes. That she, she might not have like grown up in France, but she went to school in France. And it's just so absurd because I feel like it's one thing to be like British actors, Mm -hmm. British actors to play French, whatever. It is a whole other thing to be like American actors in their straight American accents. Um, Did you pick American actors? Part of me was like, just pick American actors. No, I picked British. I picked mostly British with uh, maybe one American thrown in. Okay, so he's shirtless, he's fighting this guy, and it's like, what's the big problem in D'Artagnan's life? He had sex with a girl whose brother didn't like it, Mm -hmm. but he's like, sorry, bro, I gotta run off and be a musketeer. I love love that in every version, because I had this thought when I was watching the new version of The Three Musketeers, in every version, we meet D'Artagnan as he is on this great and bold journey to become a musketeer. It's such a funny point to run into someone in their life that they're just like, all I've ever wanted is to be a musketeer and I'm leaving tonight I know. to like, go to Paris. How often does that actually happen in real life? Yeah. Never. All I want to do is get to Paris and join the musketeers. You're a musketeer? Fantasy! My father was a musketeer. The king's personal bodyguard. The king was assassinated. Your father was a failure. A disgrace to the musketeers. What did you say? Your father was a disgrace. This is the very first note I wrote down, probably because of that sword fight. I said, how much did the early 90s believe that Chris O'Donnell was going to be a movie star? Uh, the, the 90s definitely, they made him a movie star. I mean, he didn't get there. But Here we go. Chris O'Donnell is, was scent of a woman. Was not a movie star. Oh, okay. This is a bigger <laughs> issue between Ken and I and he her definition not, of movie star. He's not a movie star, but the world wanted him to be one. He has so much body in his hair. I can't even. Was that real? Begin. Is that real hair? Honestly, I'm going to say yes because I feel like you can't have a wig that looks like that. <laughs> right? I, you know, maybe it's just like you don't do all those push ups and pull ups. <laughs> <laughs> to not, you know, grow that head of lettuce out. <laughs> yeah, I just think on the topic of accents that my favorite thing about these movies is that it seems like everybody in their American and British accents play it very evenly, except when they say D'Artagnan. It's very... It's very French. It's very... It's extraordinary. D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. And I'm like, ugh, And then down. everyone's like, Aramis, <laughs> Porthos. Richelieu. Yeah, it just makes me laugh. So I picked someone starting with, uh, because interestingly, I'm, I think I have the ages for everybody in the original cast right here. The age difference between Chris O'Donnell and Kiefer Sutherland, who is the next youngest person, is only four years. Yeah. Chris um, O'Donnell was 23 and Kiefer was 27. So I went ahead and, um, widened that age range a little bit. I wanted to start with someone who was a little bit younger just because everything I read then in the trivia that was like in reality in the books, like they're, it's just much wider. 
Um, so I wanted to start younger. And the person I picked, who honestly, as soon as I thought of his name, I was like, nobody else could be this character. Tom Holland. Cut Oh my god. We did it. We're too far away to high five. I know. Right? Yeah. I yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> Mr. Tom Holland, Mr. Spider-Man himself. Here's the thing about D'Artagnan as a character that I was like, it's annoying to watch from the top of the movie, but it's the journey we go with him on. He's young, he's foolish, he's uh Way too confident. He's a romantic. Yeah, he's there's something really sort of off-putting about him, I think, at first, but he's young and hot, so we're on board. And we follow him on this journey to become what the Musketeers are, which yeah. is, uh, you know, fighting for the good um, of France. And so I was just like, who is this person who no matter what they're doing, I would just be like, I'm going to take this journey with you, even if you approach it from... He starts out as a little bit of a little bit of a dick. Yeah. Who am I still gonna? Am I going to want to see make it to the end? And I was like, this kid. I I thousand percent agree. Mm -hmm. And I loved the introduction of the three musketeers with D'Artagnan and how he sets up a duel with each of them to mm -hmm. show that he's like he, that arrogance, but he he also doesn't know how this world really is. Yeah. Athos, you cannot fight this boy. Why not? I'm fighting him. Not until one o'clock. I have a duel with him, too. Not until two o'clock. Let's get on with it, then. We want you to be late for your future engagements. You're a musketeer? We're all musketeers? I I've been looking all over for you. Now you found us. He just thinks the musketeers are these like great big adventurers who, you know, go into battle and then come home heroes and then they, they're revered by the masses. And I just kept thinking, like, that's literally the last Spider-Man movie I watched. Mm. Um, that's his whole journey through that movie. He's like, how do I become an Avenger? And Tony Stark's like, you don't. Like, you're not ready. And then at the end, it's like, you're ready. But uh, <laughs> he he is um perfect for this role. Yeah. And um, he has that fresh sort of like youthful face mm -hmm. comparatively to some of the older musketeers that we're going to cast. Kids love him. You know, he's already in the Disney machine anyways. Let's just... Right. Uh, he can dance, he can which is dance, fun. He can flip and Yeah, he's very and, physical, so yeah. sword fighting, I'm sure, would be very easy for him yeah. to learn. Man. Plus, being a little bit younger, I think, buys him a little more time to be stupid at the beginning of the movie. Right. Because you're like, ah, he's a kid. Yeah. Like, this is this is who he is. Yeah. I think he's perfect. <laughs> um, Anything else about D'Artagnan before I move on? Oh, uh, did D'Artagnan just, like, kill those bodyguards, the Queen's bodyguards, and then just, like, leave them? So, like, remember when he, like, sees the two women being chased yeah. by these guys? He, like, crawls up into this mill, swings down, like, dispatches them, and then the ladies, like, circle back, and they're like... You idiot. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, what? He's like, those are the Queen's bodyguards. And then they ride off. And they're just like, okay. They fine. don't help these people. Yeah, they don't help. No one helps these bodies. I did write down at one point that there are a lot of death punches thrown in this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's a children's of, movie. That so sort it's of like, thing where you like kick someone and they don't move again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's what happened. Okay. Like, I'm not sure if they're dead, but they definitely, they're. You know, you don't see them get up. So maybe Disney they dead. literally just like evaporate. <laughs> they're just like gone. Like a video game. But that scene is so interesting because Julie Delpy takes one look. At D'Artagnan and is obsessed with him. 
obsessed. Oh my god, and that bath scene where she's just like, "Oh my oh, gosh, I love it." And it's like, why? She's like bothering the queen with this like weird crush she has. First time you saw D'Artagnan, did you need the laces in your corset loosened? Yes. And I felt my cheeks flush, but your hands were cold. My knees trembled, but your heart was pounding. Yes. But I don't understand why you feel this way. We only met for a moment. Oh, a moment is all it may take. <laughs> the queen's like, um, I got real problems, bitch. Like, this like, cardinal people keeps, are about like, to- <laughs> sexually assaulting me in the hallways. And she's like, mm, but D'Artagnan's hair? I know they specifically talk about his hair. <laughs> oh, my God. And then the queen uh, gives a whole speech about um, arranged marriages and how it's the way to go. Yeah, why not? All right. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's move on to Athos, played by Kiefer... Sutherland. You went first last time. I'm a little nervous with this pick because I wasn't familiar with this guy. So I had to kind of watch the show that he's on. And I'm oh. not I'm not a fan of the show. But I think he, this guy is a pretty good actor. And he's, he's starring in a movie that's about to come out this year. So I think his name is going to get pretty big. Okay. And I know the Tinder rule and all, but this guy's got a bod. You know, <laughs> this guy. Everyone on okay. here is just a beefcake. Um, I picked Sam Hewen from The Outlander. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad at myself that, did I, you not, oh. that I did not pick this person. Oh, can uh, So you so watched close. some episodes of Outlander? Yeah, it's not for me. But um, he's in, he's going to be in The Spy Who Dumped Me. Mm-hmm. And this guy literally looks like a superhero. And I kind of, in my head, was like, if Tom Holland is the way into this world, let I was kind of like, let's make the Musketeers like, you know, kind of like that. Like in the 90s, they're rock stars. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So yeah. I was like, well, what if these were more like superhero types? Um, hmm. But I also thought like uh, I wanted to, I don't know this guy's work too much, but I, I felt like he could play that kind of dark kind of what's the word I'm looking for? The like, more like brooding, the brooding, serious. Yeah. It's like hit like Athos has a lot of shit in his past that he's mm-hmm. just trying to like get behind. What should we drink to? Let's drink to love. <laughs> to love. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I knew a young man once, a count. Feared he would never fall in love. One day he met a woman. This woman was more than beautiful. She was intoxicating, mysterious. Everything he'd ever dreamed of. He felt his heart would burst if he couldn't have her. What happened? The poor idiot married her. He yeah. drinks by himself. Yeah. He doesn't want to... He's a loner. Yeah. Yeah. I think this guy might be popping up on the radar a little bit more. So and people love the Outlander and I don't get it. But again, I I'm a big Outlander fan. Oh, you are. Okay. I 100% get it. Sam Hewen in a kilt is like right. damn. Um, interesting. Okay, no, I really like your point of view. Thinking of them as like if they're rock stars in the 90s, then they must be like superhero types yeah. today. That's not where I went. But I appreciate you. For my choice, I picked someone also who I felt like could be sort of, I wanted to pick a quote unquote serious actor. Because uh-huh. I was like, this is the character who is just not fooling around. Lots of other people in this movie are yeah. fooling around. This guy is not. And I'm not sure how familiar people are with his name, but I picked Sam Claflin. Oh, I, he was on my list. I know who Sam Claflin is. He's on the yes. he's in the Hunger Games. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, me before you. He's in that movie where he almost drowns. That's coming out mm-hmm. with Shailene Woodley. Love it. I'm totally there for that. I feel like I'm a true believer in this guy because I watched. He was like auditioning for something at this internship that I was working at, and 
some of the assistants were like, here, watch this guy audition. And he was so amazing. Mm -hmm. I was just like, "Mm, I hope he doesn't get lost in the fray. I think he's special. I think what his issue is, is that he's so pretty. He has like this too pretty. I I really do. Like, I know this sounds weird, but like. I'm going to call it like the Jude Law syndrome where Uh it's like you're you're so handsome. Mm -hmm. We're going to put you in these like all these like romantic movies. Mm. And I bet they just get like really sick of it. I bet they're like, I want to play like a robot or I want to play like a. I definitely feel like at this point, like the the good scenario of that is Jude Law who breaks out of it. The Mm -hmm. bad scenario is like Hugh Grant, who at this point I think is so jaded. (laughs) Because <laughs> he's like, this is all I've ever gotten. And he's totally done with it. All right. Um, well, let's move on to Porthos then. Yeah. Um, played by Oliver Platt. Uh, who, who between one-liners between Porthos and Cardinal Richelieu, who you got? Who had the, who had the better one-liners? Mm, I, I'm on, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Tim Curry. Because his, like, there's a different, there's a different tone to the way they did their one-liners. Oliver Platt's was constantly like going up at the end. Like he was like, who <laughs> It was self-indulgent. Richelieu is like <laughs> is literally like mustache twirling. I know. They but they what like it's so strange to to hear a villain have one-liners, you know what I mean? Yes, and and to go from being like there's that scene where he's like he's like so angry at being like I want them uh dead or alive. The boy knows our plans. 1000 gold pieces on each of their heads, dead or alive. I prefer dead. Like it goes from like serious actor, like in the moment to all of a sudden, like get in this last little hook. I'm going to side on Oliver Platt's side. Mm. I think because I guess you like a good villain. You're always going to want to watch him on screen. Mm -hmm. But Oliver Platt just had a great way of being like, hey, just so the presence of Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen haven't already taken you out of this 17th century French adventure. <laughs> I'm just going to completely throw in these crazy jokes about like the queen of America and the czarist of Tokyo or, or Japan. And it was refreshing. I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I think you're up, though. I think you're up. Okay, so taking into account that Porthos, in his many, because I watched three versions of him in the past week, in his many iterations, is consistently, if not always the outright funny, like, comedian of it all, he's still, like, a little buffoonish. He's just got to be comedic in some way. So for my Porthos, I picked Daniel Ings. Um who recently played Prince Philip's friend who gets him into all sorts of trouble in The Crown. He's also a regular on one of the best shows streaming on Netflix right now called Lovesick. Hmm. I don't know him. Um, He's an Eddie the Eagle? Yeah. Oh, I love Eddie the Eagle. I love Eddie the Eagle. What was he in Eddie, and e- Eddie the Eagle? Was he Hugh Jackman as <laughs> the coach? <laughs> Hugh Jackman didn't play himself in Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> Um, an actor played Hugh Jackman playing the coach. Just um, as a character named Zach. Okay, I don't. I don't know this guy. So I. I really love him. I think he's got the comedic stylings to make it work. Mm-hmm. He's also a little bit like dark and interesting. He can definitely, I think, do the sort of valiant musketeer thing um, while still keeping it light and refreshing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know him, so uh, I'm assuming it's a good pick. 
if you if you have not watched Love Sick, watch it because it's it's like British New Girl. Um, <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. But yeah, he's wonderful. I kind of really want to start watching The Crown. I don't know. I oh. know that's like really weird, but I no, re- you I really should. Wanna, I hear it's amazing. It's phenomenal. I'm not too thrilled with my pick for this. I I don't think this actor would do this movie because he's already kind of doing an action adventure series. Okay, and I think he's a he might be above it. But um, <laughs> to your point of Porthos kind of being like the funny kind of broad guy, I sort of saw Porthos as more of just like he's like the the stronger of the three he's kind of he's more imposing than the other ones he has like Mm -hmm. this sort of crazy legend of like being a pirate and like traveling the world and seeing you know all these things whether those things are true or not we're not exactly sure this sash was a gift to me from the queen of america there's no queen of america i beg to differ infant we're on quite intimate terms unless you can prove otherwise here's my proof little pimple Meet me behind the Luxembourg at one o'clock and bring a long wooden box. I'm just I'm just trying to build confidence to say the name. I think he's an incredible actor. <laughs> I just don't think you're going to like him for this. Oh, but uh, I picked Adam Driver. I don't dislike him, but it's strange for this, right? Because he's an American actor. A little bit. He's yeah. already doing sword fighting in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, but I can I, see him. I can see him delivering one liners as he's like. The weird thing is like Adam, sword fighting. Adam Driver has an incredible comedic. Oh, ability yeah. yeah. 100 Star Wars has like tamped out entirely. But mm-hmm. did you ever see that rom-com with Daniel Radcliffe? What if? What if? Yeah. Yes. He's really funny in that. And he's really kind of like broad and like chewing up scenery and that's kind of what Oliver Platt kind of does and mm-hmm. I kind of miss that Adam Driver yeah but I know that he's like a megastar now so he doesn't need this kind of thing but that's who I would that's who I want I recommend what if to people because I'm I think it's a cute movie but he's really funny in it yeah and that just that brings me joy because yeah. I enjoy him uh I think maybe more as a comedic actor than I do as a serious villain yeah All right. uh, Should we move on to Aramis? Aramis. Who might be my favorite musketeer? Explain yourself. Um, What's weird is like as a kid, like I I read these books. My brother and I used to love these books. And my brother would always be – he always wanted to be D'Artagnan. I was like, fuck (laughs) D'Artagnan. He sucks. (laughs) But for some reason, I'd always be Aramis, but he's like the most serious one out of Mm -hmm. all of them. I I guess like Athos is also kind of serious, but like he's very like religious. Yeah, he's a different kind of serious. He used to be a priest. He's not as righteous as Athos, but he has like a code. Yeah. And he believes in- He's thoughtful. He's thoughtful. He's like the warrior poet. And I Mm -hmm. think as a kid, I I was like, that's the guy I kind of like more than like the goofy Porthos or the- Wiener D'Artagnan, I guess. Leaving so soon? Oh, you know. I abhor bloodshed. Especially your own. You are under arrest, charged with treason. (laughs) You of all people should know that the Cardinal does not answer to the laws of men. And you'll answer to God. How about Charlie Sheen's pickup line in this movie? Oh, wait, which one? The one like, from the very beginning? No, where he like reads the poem when they're teaching D'Artagnan how to like w- how to go wenching. As oh, it was. boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then it was like watching that. I was like, I wonder if Charlie Sheen ever really did this. But <laughs> probably. Probably. Um, what's funny is when I was doing this, I kind of emptied my clip of uh, actors that I've been kind of dying to use. Mm-hmm. And I... 
I put this actor in here because he is very talented, but also because of the actor I wanted to use in The Man in the Iron Mask. I thought it would be an interesting pairing to see these two play different versions of the character. But he's not so much of an action guy yet. Uh, I picked Daniel Kaluuya. Okay. Um, Get Out, Black Panther. Because I thought about, first of all, I wanted to be progressive. And Alexander Dumont was a black man. Okay. So I was like, let's make one of the musketeers black. Like, why the hell not? Sure. Who cares? And I thought that he could play that sort of like warrior poet pretty well. And I, so I was just sort of lining up the three musketeers that I had in my head. And I was like, this, these three guys really stand out on, on screen together too. Mm-hmm. So like collectively, I thought that they were the strongest cast that I could come up. And I, I had many casts, but I think Daniel Kaluuya has a calmness to him that I really enjoy when I watch his performances that would be interesting to see comparatively to kind of the broader Porthos, the brooding Athos, and then the sort of fresh-eyed D'Artagnan. That's kind of what I what I thought. How to like corner these guys as characters so when they're in the same room together, you immediately kind of know who they are. Interesting. No, no, no. I totally see this as a team. I'm into it. Who you got? Um, I picked for my Aramis. This is actually my youngest pick, but I think he plays a little older, so I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think he is just a different type of actor than my other two. So I think he could bring something a little, I think he can be very, um, thoughtful and as serious as he needs to be. But I think maybe he's also got a little bit of cheek to him that could be brought out by a role like this. I picked Jack O'Connell. I love Jack O'Connell. He right? was on my list for a lot of stuff. He's really good. He's really good. Um, I think I most recently saw him in Godless, mm-hmm. the he's Netflix in, series. He's in Un- Unbroken. Unbroken, the Angelina Jolie movie. And what was that movie about? I think even though I was like, I don't really know how much. How, he's how, in how Money we... Monster. Have you seen Money Monster? No. Oh, God, that movie's so funny. Oh. He, he's a great, great actor. He's really, really good. And he's been someone I've wanted to use for a while. And I like, I like his swagger. I think... Just seeing these three actors together who may – now that I'm thinking about it, may not be as well-known as they could be. Mm-hmm. But Tom Holland might be the most <laughs> famous he, person he is. Uh, Sam, Cla- Sam Claffin is, is pretty um, famous. But I, I liked, I think, the way they could sort of interact together because there's just three different kinds of people. Yeah. I'm bummed that you use them because I've been like holding out on Jack O'Connell for a while. And He's now so I'm good. Like, now I'm like I have to wait a while to use him again because then it will feel like I'm just copying. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Let's uh, round it out with Cardinal Richelieu. Richelieu. Um, God, what a perv. Okay. So what I what I thought of when I was thinking about this, because my favorite Disney animated film is um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. um, another French set story that features a in – the, in the movie, they don't make him a, a religious figure. He's just a judge. But in the original text – uh, the character of Frollo is a like creepy sort of sex obsessed, like religious figure yeah. in France. I was like, wow, early 90s Disney just loved these characters. <laughs> they were like, yeah, no, he should be some sort of man of the cloth. He should fixate on a woman, uh-huh. uh, approach her very strangely. It is assumed that certain wants 
desires are void from my existence. But after all, I'm still a man. Your sacrifice brings you closer to God. Yes, but it is not God to whom I wish to be close. This is Tim Curry's wheelhouse, basically. Oh, this is where he lives. Um, I, I, I just love how Tim Curry... It was so hard to recast this, really, because Tim Curry does a phenomenal job of riding that line of mustache twirling over the top campy and like really grounded serious character acting and i just kept thinking like there's no one like tim curry these days there's no one really like and i love that scene where he goes to the king immediately after like perving out on the queen in her Mm -hmm. like bathroom and he just like lists all these like crazy things that he's been accused of and you as the audience are like you've definitely done you've done all all of of these these. while the english attack from without the wicked cardinal undermines from within, forging a secret alliance with Buckingham and placing himself on the throne. But really, your majesty, why stop there? I have heard much more festive variations. I make oaths with pagan gods, seduce the queen in her own chamber, teach pigs to dance and horses to fly, and keep the moon carefully hidden within the folds of my robe. Have I forgotten anything? It does seem rather far-fetched. And the king's like, <coughs> no, it seems crazy. It does seem crazy, doesn't it? The king, who, by the way, looks like the berries and cream guy. Uh, <laughs> I always think he looks like Michael Showalter from Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> and he's so <laughs> like, haircut. he's so like, yeah, he's so like, what's that famous painting of like the blue boy with the mm-hmm. little like bowl cut and his little blue boots? And he's just like. I'm just like he's huh? a little lad who loves berries and cream. And I kept being like, this guy made Leo DiCaprio. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's it it really shows you what like Americans making a movie think of the French. One oh, very 100%. frail, very thin and frail. The and king is seen as like, ugh, you could snap him like a twig. Yeah, he is no. F- I mean, in the book, he he his power is basically taken by the cardinal in, in mm-hmm. sort of behind the scenes. But visually, this guy is just so meek and sticky and overly. The overly... haircut is so effeminate. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's yeah. of the time, but like. Compared to like Kiefer Sutherland's literally looks like he stepped off stage with Axl Rose. And it's just like this big rock star kind of, you know. Like if Bon Jovi had been one of the Musketeers in the early 90s, we would have been like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Who's up first? Me? Um, I think think it's you. I think it's me. So I picked uh, an actor that I actually wanted to use in a couple of episodes ago for – Another sort of villainous character. I should have picked more well-known people, but <laughs> screw it. You're, I, you're, this is your Gattaca. <laughs> I just really want it to be like a you really like want an actor's be. cast. Yeah, you really want the Shakespeare company here. Um, I picked Ben Daniels, who, um, if you were as big of a fan of, of the Exorcist television show as I was, you will recognize as Father Marcus. Yeah. Um, he's also been in, he was in he's Star in Rogue Wars One. Rogue One. Yeah, he's just a, an accomplished uh, British actor who I think has a lot of levels to him. But I could see him being a, a villain. Yeah, he's re- he's really good in the the few things I've seen him in. But I've seen The Exorcist. He's really good. Is he's he as so creepy? Good. Is he as like mustache twirly as Tim Curry? I mean, here's the thing. He's no Tim Curry, but who is Tim Curry? 
that that's my point is like that's we don't the have question. actors like that. I don't think I don't think there's anybody who who does character acting the way he did. Yeah, I think Tim Curry is it's hard to recast cuz he has a certain he knows he plays villains well, mm-hmm. and he's not afraid to be villainous. Yeah, he leans. He leans into it, but yeah. just enough. Milady de Winter. Your eminence. Your beauty would make even the most chaste of men think of impurity. I don't believe you suffer the burden of chastity. Perhaps you're right. I was making an observation, not an offer. A word of caution, milady. A snap of my fingers and you could be back on the block where I found you. I will say I think I used to <laughs> I used to say I feel like you can tell a lot about a person by what they know Tim Curry from. Yeah. And for me, it's this movie because like I wasn't I wasn't at the right age to have known him at, at any young age for like Rocky Horror yeah. or anything like that. Like this was my introduction to Tim Curry. It might have been this or Home Alone 2. Mm. But he's also in Legend, where he plays the devil. Oh, yeah. I've only heard of that movie. And it's heavy makeup. Mm-hmm. It's heavy, heavy makeup. But, oh, he plays Pennywise the Clown. Yeah. I picked an actor. Literally, this came to me this morning. I don't oh. know how this is going to go over well. but Oh, boy. I said, why not? I'm never going to pick this actor again. But he's funny. He can be creepy. And I think he's very, very talented. I picked. I picked. Oh, my God. Um, I picked Eddie Izzard. Okay. Okay. Isn't it weird? It's weird. (laughs) It's weird. But as soon as I thought of him, I was like, I don't think he would, you know, overtake Tim Curry's performance. But I'm definitely, I just kept thinking like, I want to see him play this weird cardinal. This isn't going to make a lot of sense, but it's weird, but it's not crazy. Right. You know what's weird about it is Cardinal Richelieu is the like opposite person to Eddie Izzard, like the kind of like morally corrupt, conservative, religious figure Mm -hmm. compared to Eddie Izzard, the kind of wild cross-dressing comedian. Yeah. Very free, very liberal. Yeah. So it's not like a perfect fit, Mm -hmm. but you can sort of see him, at least for me, I can sort of see him like take a role like this and be like, okay, I have to play like the opposite of the things I believe in. I have to basically play like a hypocrite Mm -hmm. and a monster. And I think it would be interesting to kind of see him do that. If you don't know who Eddie Izzard is, he's a very successful British comedian. Mm-hmm. He's been in the last two Oceans movies, not Oceans 8, but he's in oh, 12 yeah. and 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was, on a, that. he was on a show with Minnie Driver called The Riches where they played like a family of con people. I don't know. I haven't watched that it. That sounds but funny to me. He, yeah, he he's like wildly entertaining. That's how I saw this. It was like, who would I always want to watch on screen? And I was like, Eddie Izzard, I'd kind yeah. of always want to watch. I mean, yeah. It's strange, right? It could, but it's weird, but it could work. No, what's funny is like you kind of, you're, I can see the apprehension, but I know later tonight you're going to be like, that's a, that's a, that's a weird, good pick. <laughs> it sits don't, with you. Don't tell me what to think. <laughs> I'm just saying it's going to hit you be like, oh my God. Brian's a genius. Brian's a genius. I'm being gaslighted. <laughs> okay, guys, that wraps up our five characters from The Three Musketeers. And keep in mind who they are for next time because uh, actually we'll remind you. We'll remind you. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why don't we get to our favorite part? Where does Barry Pepper go? Where? Um, this one was hard because there's a lot of uh, swashbuckling. Do you think Barry Pepper? Let's be honest with ourselves. I think I could. 
Can he do? The I accent? answered your question before you asked. <laughs> it. Well, for the audience, yeah. You think he can do the French accent, or does it matter? And nobody's doing it because no doing, doing a fake French accent is so gauche. Yeah, I guess you're right. No, no, no. Nobody would. No attempt. one do it. Just do your natural accent. That's how we're. That's how. Um, but I think Barry Pepper could do some swashbuckling. I believe in him. Who'd you Who'd you uh, put him in? Um, I picked him to replace who I think is the actual star of this movie. Mm. <laughs> and that's Michael Wincott. I made him Rochefort. Oh, yeah. I was going to do that. I, I just feel like um, that character has to look, I guess, how old is Barry Pepper? 50? 48? 48. Yeah, I guess that would make, because he kills D'Artagnan's dad. Mm-hmm. So I guess that D'Artagnan's yeah. dad would be about the same age. Yeah. I think Barry Pepper could do it. Plus, I just wanted him to, <clears throat> like, I legitimately, as I was watching it, I was like, Michael Wincott is giving the best performance in this whole movie. I love him. How come he's, he's not so more stuff? good? He was like in a little bit of the Ghost in the Shell movie, and I was like, huh. "Oh God, it's so good to see him." Because like wanna, he has that voice. Even even moments where I'm like, "This could be way over the top," and other people are selling it down the river, and he is playing it so subtly. Yeah. Oh, they got lucky because he's fantastic in this movie. Ah, pathetic. Killed by the same man that killed his father. You killed my father. Oh, yes. As I will you. I put Barry Pepper as uh, Henry, which I think is one of the uh, henchmen for Lady De Winter, who has that great line when they step on the ship where he's like, what are you, deaf? <laughs> and then he pushes them and they're like, they're all they're dead. dead. Um, <laughs> uh, that's who I that's who I had him at. There's a, not a, I mean, there weren't a lot of other male roles other than mm-hmm. Rochefort. It, and it's interesting because now that I think about it, I'm like, if we had if we're trying to accomplish something very specific by doing these two movies. But if we sort of had our pick to go maybe a couple people down the call sheet, the rest of the important characters would have been women. Yes. And it's so it's a shame that we're only doing like so many because there's some like yeah. I think the Countess de Winter is a really interesting character. Even the queen has this like, like real intrigue to her character that yeah, I was is trying super to, fascinating. I was trying to think of like an like I was going to text you and be like, we should do the queen as like an honorable mention for both of us because they're in both movies. Yeah. Because and the, and Constance. Wait, it, it, no, she's not in. She's not in the second one. I don't think. I was thinking about the tw- 2011. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think, <laughs> uh, I think it would have been great to talk about like the queen and lady, lady to winter who, I mean, what was her big crime? She killed a bunch of people. Yeah, Everyone in this movie people. kills a bunch of people. But I feel like it's it's interesting how they approach it because she is very she does what the musketeers do, but it's especially egregious because she's a woman of stature. I think because she poisons people, it's like frowned upon, but because she doesn't No, she like stabs them in the back or something. Yeah. It's like you guys are stabbing people left and right. Listen, Who I cares? think what we need is equality in <laughs> In the 17th, 17th century, France. <laughs> here, here. Um, uh, I have a few other things. Um, there's a line in the movie where Porthos is like drinking wine, and D'Artagnan tries to drink it, and he grabs the bottle back, and he goes, "You can't have any. You're too young." <laughs> and I kept thinking, like, good it's for cute. Disney for reminding everyone the legal drinking age of 20th century America. You know what I mean? 
Okay. Do you have any other? Uh, I was. This is such a small thing, but I really loved the little sword high five they did at the the duel at oh, the yeah. where they're about to duel, and then the cardinals guards show up, and then I'm trying to think of. Oh, there's so many people in tunics and cloaks. Um, there's like a point where they like stab two people and then I can't remember which two, but there's two of the musketeers that are just like, clink. They do it. And it's cute. They do it again in the catacombs when they have to split up. Yeah. Uh, it's so cute. Athos is is just like split up and he runs away. And then Porthos and Aramis just like tap tips and they're like, bye bye. Um, (laughs) let's talk about the Kung Fu in this movie, please. Why is there Kung Fu in this movie? They, one of the craziest movie tropes ever happens in this movie and it's the thing where Oliver Platt is like face to face with um some sort of Asian character and quote unquote oriental oh shows up oh boy oh boy oh boy and it's like if this guy traveled hundreds of thousands of miles <laughs> from I'm assuming it's China I, I believe it was China or sure. Mongo- it could have been Mongolia to come to 17th century France and it's just like immediately dismissed. And it's just like, guys. Oh. It was, it, they did the Indiana Jones thing where he's like, Wah! and then he Porthos. literally makes fun of it. <laughs> and then Porthos is like, Wah! and then yeah. he like just drops him down into a little cavern. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> That's not, what the people wanted in the early 90s. I'm not saying it's not funny, but it's not funny. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but you got to be a little righteous about I, it. I forgot about it. I was like, oh, my God, please don't do kung fu. And Ugh. then he does kung fu. He, like, flips around and, like, grabs him by his neck with his feet. And I was just like, oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm out of stuff. Um, We can't. We can't. I just can't even speak right now. We can't finish this podcast without talking about the best song written for an end credit sequence ever. I'm, a song so good, it receives the first credit before anyone else's name at the end of the movie. I listened to that song so many times after the movie came out. Like after that, sorry, after um, I rewatched the movie, it's in my, I have to do it at karaoke. I think people will be blown away. So, so good. Like the holy trinity of raspy voices. Sting. Rod Stewart, Brian Adams. It's so good. You know what? Why don't we just it's it's playing right it's now. Playing right now. Ugh. We'll just leave you with that, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, check out our other episodes. Subscribe. Please rate us. Please hit us up on social media. Kenna, where can they find us? You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us as this podcast on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us individually in our own style on social media at Kenna Trent and at Flynn B. Guys, thanks so much for listening and stay tuned next week for part two of the Three Musketeers Made in the Iron Mask summer blockbuster special. Rochefort, isn't that a smelly kind of a cheese?